So you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get a little bit more sleep. And if you need a little bit more sleep, we'd much rather you did it at home in a comfortable bed than in our slightly less comfortable pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on this Sunday morning sleep in podcast. You're still going to miss out on some things that we think are pretty important. You're going to miss out on intergenerational community and the support and encouragement that comes with that, inspiring music, adorable children during children's time, and this week, some amazing Super Bowl trash talk. Also, cookies during fellowship time. But we are going to give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or perfect preachers, but we are your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home or working or perhaps preparing the Valentine's Day party for your local dog park, whatever it is, maybe you're even just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church these days. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on a Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we invite you to snuggle up and get comfortable, perhaps with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Receive this with an open mind and an open heart. And our quick note, we don't really care if you agree with us or not. We do care about what you think, but we don't think that we all have to think alike. So we encourage you to question, to disagree, to figure out what you think. Our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So, Chris, so, Susan, I chose to preach the epistle, the letter <laughs> text. We're going to throw out the $10 word right off the bat. We're preaching some epistles up in here yeah, today. Yeah, there we go. Paul's letter to the, the first letter to the Corinthians. Okay. Uh, and uh, basically the second chapter. The way I began my sermon was to talk about something I know you and I both think is very, very fun. And okay. that is a Hogwarts example <gasps> from Harry Potter. Oh my goodness. Hogwarts for life. life. Susan, in case you're wondering, is a Ravenclaw. <laughs> And I desperately want to be a Hufflepuff, but I am sad to say I am a Gryffindor. I will always be a bull in a china shop. This is true. This is true. So Hogwarts. So what about Hogwarts Hogwarts has to do with 1 Corinthians 2? So what I was reminded of by a person who was doing some um, exegesis on this text was the room of requirement at Hogwarts. So this room occurs in several... Of the Several of the books. books. It's first mentioned in book four, I believe, I at believe. the Yule Ball by Dumbledore. Oh, really? Who thinks it is a restroom. Oh, okay. Because it always he, appears when he needs it. He needs to go to the bathroom and he can't find the bathroom. It always is, ends up full of chamber pots. Oh, I have to go back and read that again. Mm. Mm. Yes. And then again in book five, it becomes very important for the uprising. Right. Because yes. that's where they meet. The resistance. So if you have been in some cave somewhere and have not seen a movie or read a book... Of Harry Potter. We're not judging you, but it's taken a lot of effort. <laughs> it's taken a lot of effort definitely, not to definitely. judge you. We, 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 we would advise you to pick up a book because they are pretty good. Or if you're super lazy and you don't care that much, go on IMDb, just read the summaries. Okay. Like, that'll get you there. But this room of requirement, Chris, as you remember, is this place that appears when it is needed. And so it doesn't show up on maps even when it exists and people are in it and it has no regular entrance or exit, like it's somewhere. So in, how do you get into it? So you, you get into it because it appears when you need it. Because it appears when you need it. And you're asking for something. right? And like, it's different every time. So It's different every time. So sometimes it looks like the attic okay. of Hogwarts. It's got all the junk that they didn't know where else to put it. Okay. Which you can imagine over a couple thousand years. That would be kind of impressive. Look almost as awesome as my office right now. There you go. 
It also is a place where like meetings can happen and events can happen and they secret clubs can meet and that kind of thing. So it changes like it ch- entirely. It changes its whole form. It changes its and whole form. And what's inside of it and, and right. the shape and size of it the, and, and what people are using it for, for changes. Exactly. And it, is it a place to is it a place to hide things sometimes? It is. Yeah. Like one of the teachers who has a slight drinking problem, her empties end up in there. Yes, right. as well as something very important in book six, which I will not ruin for you. Yes. Yes. But it's a place of mystery. It is. It absolutely is. It sort of is the character of Hogwarts in a lot of ways because it's this magical place that is unpredictable oh. and reliable at the same time. time. And it's super fun and right. kind of weird. And, and it's got a sense of humor. I it's got a it's sense of humor, humor and it's a little bit dark. It's a little bit dark. It's a little bit dark. There's a saying about the room of requirement or like when they're talking about how you find it, right? Uh-huh. It's like the saying that says, if you have to ask, you'll never know. And if you know, you'll only need to ask. Right? Because if you don't know if the room of requirement exists, yeah. you don't know to ask for it. You don't know what to ask for it. But the, the only way that it shows up is if you, you ask, ask it to show up. Unless somebody else is already inside of it and is asking it not to show up for you. And then right. Then, then, then we have the... the but Whoever's there first gets it. But We're not going to go all... Ex- although sometimes you can... End up in there with somebody else if you forget to lock the door. Sort of. Yeah, but all of that. So anyway, but if you want to get there, you really you just you have to ask. ask for it. That's where we start. So we start the, with this like this room of mystery. We're sitting in the room of requirement Mysterious. on really cushy, overstuffed puffs, and we're and we let's are see, living let, in the mystery. Let's see and let's see if we can get Paul in there with us. All right, let's see if Paul will come. So, so this is from First Corinthians chapter two. This is from the message, which is a paraphrase. Uh, it's not a direct translation. I find paraphrases very helpful when I'm reading Paul because. Paul has Greek grammar. It's awful. It's terrible. It's terrible. We don't know where oh. sentences start or end. It's just... Anyway. And we've made our best guesses. And... Yeah. But it still gets a little bit confusing. So I like the paraphrase for Paul. So this is from the message. Chapter 2, verses 1 through, I think, 13 for me. You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. I was unsure of how to go about this and felt totally inadequate. I was scared to death, if you want the truth of it. And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else. But the message came through anyway. God's spirit and God's power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. We, of course, have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get your feet on firm spiritual ground, but it's not popular wisdom, the fashionable wisdom of high-priced experts that will be out of date in a year or so. God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of God's purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest, what God determined as the way to bring out his best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. The experts of our day haven't a clue about what this eternal plan is. If they had, they wouldn't have killed the master of the God-designed life on a cross. That's why we have this scripture text. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this, never so much as imagined anything quite like it, what God has arranged for those who love him. But you've seen it and heard it because God by his spirit has brought it all out into the open before you. The spirit, not content to flit around on the surface, dives into the depths of God and brings out what God planned all along. Whoever knows what you're thinking and planning except you yourself. The same with God, except that he not only knows what he's thinking, but he lets us in on it. God offers a full report on the gifts of life and salvation that he is giving us. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. We didn't learn this by reading books or going to school. We learned it from God. 
who taught us person to person through Jesus. And we're passing it on to you in the same firsthand, personal way. Paul. So how is this like the room of requirement? We have to look a little bit about what we just heard, right? The second chapter of Corinthians. And remember that this was a letter that didn't have chapters. So just remember that it's part of the continuum. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians and saying, I showed up to tell you about Christ. Trying to do that in the most simple way. Right. No logistical no gymnastics. No logistical gymnastics. Christ and Christ crucified. And that's all I had on my mind. That's what I wanted you to know. And that's what I poured out for you and, and what you seem to have gotten. <laughs> but I'm writing this letter, right? Why is he writing this letter? He's writing this letter because they've gotten a little off track. Yeah, this is the crowd that we guess from context Text. is like doing some infighting and some who's better than who and, you know, yeah. all the stuff that people do when they get together. And there's some some supposition that they had sort of drawn things down to sort of what we would call like trite sayings. Ooh. Right? So Like that, hashtag too blessed to be stressed. stressed. Right? Like last week. Shoot me. Or like some of the things we think are in the Bible. Like that's the example I think of in my head is those things we think are in the Bible. But when you look on one of those quizzes, not actually in the Bible. God helps those who help, help themselves. themselves. For example. So so he's fighting like not just like the human tendency to do the infighting, but he's mm-hmm. also fighting the human tendency to like codify reduce. and yeah. reduce. And then from there, think... I'm better than you because I follow, you know, this dictum or what, right. whatever. And he's going, hold your horses. Pull this back. Because you guys are trying to put everything in boxes. And you're trying to figure it all out. Nice and neat and clean. And it isn't. It's a story. It's a story. And I'm going to tell you my story. And other people are telling their stories. And it's super messy. And complicated. Super complicated. And it's incarnate. It's not right. some. It's not some abstract idea that just lives in your head. Right. It's something that you live. Paul has said, you know, I showed up so that you would know Christ and Him crucified, and mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. And it's that simple. And then it's that complicated. And then it's that complicated. Yes. That's the spiritual life. That's that's the the life of faith. Is that on one hand sometimes it feels really easy and simple and clear. And then you turn a corner and you're like, you wasn't expecting that, good or bad, but not expecting that. So Paul says, I think you guys got it at first and now you've let it slip. And I'm going to try, I'm trying this again, but I'm also a little bit different here. I also realize that this is a gift from God, that you guys have to let the spirit into this and that the spirit is trying to be a part of this. But it can't get in. But it can't get in if you keep everything all locked up down, like, you know, black and white with hard edges and tight spaces. And he says, this is a gift. If you let this gift grow in your life, there's going to be some amazing things, things I can't yet imagine for you. And I think Paul is saying to these folks, you get it and then you don't. You need some software upgrades. <laughs> you need a 2.0. A 2.0. Like, Spirit let's go, 2.0. Let, Spirit 2.0. Let, let the Spirit do the Spirit's work and then look at what you have. But you have to stay open for it But to you have that. to stay open for that. Like you have to be available for that. And so Paul is trying to describe with words something that I think is very, very hard to do and almost impossible for us to hear in his first century language. And that is Paul is trying to explain mystery. Yes. And not explain it like... Defensively. Defensively. And he's not really doing apologetics either. Apologetics is like trying to prove that Christianity is true. He's not trying to do that. He's just saying, we don't all know. We don't know. We don't know. But we know it's messy. We know it's messy. And we know it's lived. And we know it's lived. And we know it's good. And we know it's good. 
right? We know that there's power here. And especially, um, you know, he's throwing out an image for these folks in the first world that looks looks countercultural, is countercultural, is still countercultural. Is still countercultural. Right? He says, you know, the power is going to come in, in ways that we don't actually think that power comes. And, and peace is going to come in ways we don't think peace comes. And everything is turned on its head. And yet, it's the great reversal. This is the great reversal, and here we are. And you're not going to be able to see it unless you let the Holy Spirit help you see it. Which is why he's talking about the victory of somebody who was literally killed Killed. by the government. Right, right. Like it's counterintuitive to say, "Oh yeah, this person is a winner." Paul just says, "You know," and I'm proclaiming something that is just that is mystery. Because I can't tell you how this works. I just spent part of chapter one meditating on the cross. We're still 2,000 years later meditating on the cross. Trying to figure that one out. Trying to figure that one out. And we've got, oh, dozens and dozens of theories. And all of them have pluses and all of them have minuses and Mm -hmm. fit in different places in our lives, perhaps. And oh my gosh, what if they're all true? What if they're all true? What if they're all wrong? Oh, you know, like that, that yeah. we got to be okay with that. Peter Rollins is one of my favorite philosophers. And he says, every person of faith has to be a little atheistic because if you are so content with your beliefs, you are now worshiping your beliefs. You're not worshiping the mystery that is beyond them. Right. And so everybody has to sort of be okay with being wrong because otherwise you're not talking about God. You're talking about whatever you've tried to turn God into. The box you tried to put God into. Yes, that's exactly what it is. You draw a line in the sand and Jesus is generally on the other side of it. And so to be able to say, I am not so staunchly set in my beliefs that I am not open to God changing my mind. Right. Because God probably has something bigger going on than whether or not he fits into my Christology or my soteriology or all my other ologies. So this is where we end up back at the room of requirement because the room of requirement is a fairly good not perfect right not perfect metaphor metaphor for what the life of faith god mystery is like i mean just number one the door is never in the same place yeah you've always tried to gotta come at it from a different from a different angle like you want you want it you want to enter enter into mystery and you've got to find the door you got to find the door and sometimes that means asking it always means asking. Yeah. It always means saying, God, I want to be in the midst of what you're in the midst of. God, I want to see see the mystery of who you are yes. today. And the room of requirement, you know, sometimes mystery doesn't look the way we want it to. Sometimes it surprises it, it, us. It, it gives us, and I think the room of requirement is a good image because sometimes mystery provides us what we don't know we need yet. Well, and the idea that the room of hidden things, mm-hmm. which is another room, name for the room of requirement, right. also becomes the room of the thing that we need to find Yeah, at some point in the story. It turns on us and even right. the same space can have a different meaning for us. And that sometimes we go there to hide and sometimes we go there to be found. And sometimes it's our safe place and sometimes it's the scariest place we can ever enter. But that mystery is there. I would say the difference between mystery and God, <laughs> I mean, not mystery, uh, the room of requirement and God. There's just this- one, just one difference. Just, well, one, you know, one in this metaphor is that luckily we don't actually have to know what we're looking for to ask for it because God often surprises us, gifts us. Right. And God is not Santa Claus. God is not Santa Claus. Sometimes the room of requirement is a little Santa Clausy, where you say, room of requirement, I want this thing and that thing appears. Right. And with God, it's like, God, I want this thing. And God might surprise you with another question (laughs) rather than an answer. You still get what you need, but it might not look like what you want. And that Paul, in our passage, is trying to get the Corinthians to let go of neatness and order. Which is a strange thing for Paul to be asking. It was a strange thing for Paul to be asking, right? Because Paul is all about neatness and order. Right. Well, 
Some days. Yeah, some days. But he, what he's asking people to do is is to let God be God and that we might enter into. And to get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of your own way. That's cool. Yeah. So that's what we do. Not to mix too many children's fantasy metaphors, but I was thinking of Aslan when you were talking. Oh, yeah, of course. About he's not a tame lion. Lion, but he's a good lion. But he's good. Yeah. He's not a tame lion, but he's good. That's one of my favorite lines from the book. Yes, it's absolutely true. It's another example of a story that C.S. Lewis was neo-Orthodox in his theology. Exactly. I am wildly not neo-Orthodox in my theology. But through the story, we both recognize Jesus. We both recognize nice. God. And we recognize different parts of that story as our own. And so we can still come together in the story. We don't all have to agree all the time. And we don't have to tell the story exactly the same way. Exactly. And luckily, luckily we don't because otherwise we might not all be able to hear it. Hey, good one, Susan. Thanks, Chris. I like the room of requirement metaphor. I probably will steal that. Yeah, we might uh, come back again, I'm sure. So thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to what we've been discussing today, if you have more ideas about the room of requirement or the Chronicles of Narnia uh, or Paul, shoot us an email. We're at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find us on sundaymorningsleepin.com. You can find our podcast on SoundCloud, on Google Play Music, on iTunes, anywhere you want to find your podcast. We're probably there. And if we're not there, let us know and we will be there. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, Sunday Morning Sleep In. The scripture for this podcast was 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 13. And we read it from the message. And the theme music that you're hearing right now is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. So at the end of church, when we're all gathered together, we the pastor or the preacher sends the congregation out with a blessing. And so we like to end our podcast with a blessing. And my blessing for you is to find mystery, to look around, to be open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to be open to the gifts of God in the midst of the everyday and the mundane, and to uh, maybe inch closer to the edge of your box and see where God is. Go. Amen. Mm-hmm.